I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, please, for today's message to the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. I'm breaking from my series in Corinthians, and we'll come back to that. And we need several weeks in a row to flow into that ministry. And as I've been looking ahead and preparing ahead, I've got chapters 5, 6, and 7, and it is heavy the material in that. Just read it and see. Um, and we're going to be tackling in that series as we move, progress in the future into that, into the whole area of sexual morality. And I, I want to deal with that very strongly and sensitively. And I want to make sure that we come out of that series, that we survive it, and that our hearts are changed, and we will know how more than ever before, to guard our lives in that area. And so I'm um, working hard on that series, that, uh, and we'll come, come back to that. But I have two messages this month to speak to you about the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And this came out of last Sunday's message when I was teaching on the resurrection. And uh, at a certain point, I saw a lot of puzzled look, looks on people's faces. And um, I realize that many people do not understand the kingdom of God. And yet it is the central ministry of Jesus. Jesus spoke more on the kingdom of God than any other topic. And I, I began to think about it, talk to a number of people about it, and, and actually found that very few understand the kingdom. And really, God wants us to have a passion for the kingdom. It is, it's what should be governing our lives. That every single day we have such an understanding that God's kingdom is here. And that we are in the kingdom. We are subjects of the kingdom of God. And that God has a vision for the whole of society that relates to the kingdom of God. And we know that the kingdom is going to come when Christ returns and it's going to be a visible manifest kingdom and he will rule over all things visibly and in person. But in the meantime, the kingdom is present in its spiritual form. And because of that, people don't seem to grasp it. They don't seem to have a vision for it or an understanding of it. And how then can we live in the kingdom of God if we don't understand those things. So that's why I'm going to spend two Sundays on this. And my topic today is receiving the kingdom. And my Bible reading is from Hebrews 12 verses 25 to 29. So let's turn to that. We'll read it. Ephesians, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 12 verses 25 to 29. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape, who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace 
by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Very strong words. And uh, yet they are words that should direct and govern our lives because the kingdom is here. And God says, I want you to participate in my kingdom. I want you to have a passion for my kingdom. I want my kingdom to be the governing authority, the passion of your life, the controlling factor of your life. And therefore, we need a fresh vision of the kingdom of God. I want to just present you in the, in the beginning with a number of facts of the king, about the kingdom that kind of come out of this, this passage. And this will give us a bit of a background, a bit of foundation for it. First of all, we are receiving the kingdom. In other words, the kingdom is, is now. The kingdom is happening now. We are receiving the kingdom. Today, you are receiving the kingdom. Right now in this service, the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is here. Christ is here. He's advancing in our lives. The kingdom is advancing. It's a present thing. It has begun. It is happening now. Right now, the kingdom is here. Secondly, this kingdom is unshakable. It's unshakable. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can overthrow it. Nothing can overcome it. This kingdom is advancing. It's victorious. It's unshakable. And it is also eternal. It's unending. Earthly kingdoms come and go. Politicians rise and politicians fall. Institutions come institutions go. But this kingdom goes on forever. Heaven and earth may pass away and in fact will pass away. The Bible makes it very, very clear that the way the world is going on at this present time, it will continue until the point when God will intervene and He will come in power and glory, Peter says, that even the elements are going to melt with the fervent heat and everything, this earth and all the works that are in it, are going to be burnt up. It will not continue forever in its present form. God is going to visit this planet with fire and the fire of God's presence and judgment is going to burn up and destroy everything that is not of Him in order that He may recreate it and bring in the new heavens and the new earth wherein dwells righteousness. And so when He says our God is a consuming fire, it is a reference to the end of the world and the universe as we know it. Scary. But the point is, God will do that in order to bring forth the new heavens and the new earth. So, right now, <laughs> you've got the point. You better make sure which side you are on. Amen? And you better understand that the kingdom of God is the only thing worth investing in. And if you knew that everything that you see, which is to do with earthly works, earthly ideas, earthly ambitions, human plans, human strategies, human ideas, if all of that is going to perish, then start investing in the kingdom. Make the kingdom your passion. 
And we shall see, as I hope to tackle this, not today, but in the, ne in the next message, that that actually has real relevance for how we live. It's not like we say, well, all this is just going to perish and burn, so let's just hang, hang, hang tight till Jesus returns. No, the kingdom is relevant now. And the kingdom will give you a vision of how to live your life and how to conduct yourself in this world. It, and, and not just to sort of try and keep yourself pure and righteous while the kingdom comes, but actually to bring transformation, kingdom transformation. And what the Bible teaches is that when we are working for the kingdom, the works of the kingdom will last in our Corinthian series, we did mention in one of the messages how that God is going to test our works with fire. Do you remember that? And the works which are made of wood, hay, and stubble, they're going to perish and it's all going to be burnt up. But the stuff that is made of enduring quality, the enduring quality of the kingdom, gold, silver, and precious stones, they are going to endure, which means that whatever we do for Jesus is not in vain. That stuff's not going to burn up. That stuff's going to endure. And we can take it with us. The Bible speaks about the rewards of the kingdom and inheriting the kingdom. And so this is very relevant from beginning of our lives right to the very end of our lives and beyond. It's an eternal kingdom. Everything else that can be shaken will be shaken. The kingdom cannot be shaken. It's an unshakable kingdom. And we are in it, therefore we are unshakable. Amen and amen. We are one of those things that cannot be shaken. So it has consequence for our lives. And, and the writer to the book of Hebrews says, Therefore since, this is verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, in other words, it's the kingdom of God's reality that's going to continue and it's going to last, let us have grace. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. This is telling us that the kingdom is the kingdom of grace. We receive God's kingdom by grace. It is something that we say, God, I open my life and I receive your kingdom. It's not based on my merits or my works or my efforts. I can't by my efforts bring the kingdom in. All I can do by faith is receive the kingdom. And that's not just how we receive it, but how we live in it. And he says, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. When you have a vision of the kingdom, you become more active than anybody because you know where to invest your time. You know where to invest your money, your talents, your efforts. You know how to live your life. You have a clear vision of the future. You have a vision for this present life and you act accordingly. And I think that one of the things that we're suffering from today is that many Christians don't grasp this. They haven't got a vision of the kingdom. Therefore, they don't work for the kingdom. They don't work for the kingdom. You try and get people to say, now it's time to rise. How many of you have been here for years and you have not in any way ever stepped forward up for leadership or for ministry? And when we're looking for new cell leaders, oh, no, 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 I've got other things to do. You've not got anything else to do. It's kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. And when you invest everything in the kingdom, you are building for the future and you are extending God's kingdom and you are working for God's kingdom and your work will not be in vain. 
So how then do we begin to understand the kingdom? One of the reasons people find this concept difficult is because the kingdom in its present form is invisible. It's invisible. It's only accessible by faith. When we think about the United Kingdom, we, we live in the United Kingdom. It's fully, technically, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. If you go back in history, there wasn't one United Kingdom. There were different kingdoms. But they came together, and even the, 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 the flag, the Union flag, has, has, is a combination of the different flags of different kingdoms. You've got... Uh, St. Andrew there, the St. Andrew's cross, then you've got the, the English one, and all, all together. You haven't got the Welsh dragon up there, but you know, you've got as best as you can. And this indicates that all these kingdoms came together. And now we could describe it. We could take a map and say, there it is. There is the United Kingdom. There's the boundaries. There's the United Kingdom. And we could also talk about a person who is visible, and you might drive past Buckingham Palace and you see the Queen is in residence because the flag is flying and you say we well, might not actually see her but you know she's there and she, she's real and she's visible she's flesh and blood and you can go to the Houses of Parliament you can see the seat of the government and you can see the institutions you can see the Bank of England you can see all of these visible structures and you can say that is the United Kingdom. Well, where is our kingdom? Do we point to a building and say, that's where our king lives? Do we go to the house, uh, a political building and say, that's where the government of our kingdom operates from? Do we go to various buildings and say, that's where the finances of our kingdom operate? No. We have not got a physical, geographical, political structure with all of these edifices to point to. Those are, that's true only of earthly kingdoms. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Therefore, we don't have a, an army, a military. We don't have a government, a political system. No, we are spiritual men and women. Our relationship with God is governed by Christ, what He did on the cross, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So when we start talking about our relationship with God, we're talking kingdom. When we talk, talk, start talking about our discipleship, we're talking about kingdom. When we talk about the way we handle our finances, we're talking about kingdom. The way we conduct our lives and our families, we're talking about kingdom. It has visible effects and evidences, but you can't point to this or that or the other and say, this is the kingdom. The kingdom is invisible. That's to say, it's not a physical, geographical, political kingdom. It's not that. It is invisible. And this was difficult, even in the days of Jesus. Because when Jesus was doing many things that were fulfilling messianic prophecy, and people were beginning to identify him as the Christ, they were puzzled. Because they said, if he's, the, if he's bringing in the kingdom of God, if he's Messiah, if he's the king, and he's proclaiming the kingdom, then why are we still in bondage to Rome? Why are we not politically free? 
And why have there not been some big, massive, apocalypse-type interventions so that God will send fire from heaven or angels with flaming swords and destroying and killing the Romans? Why has not Messiah called an army and are now beginning to move against Rome? Where are the soldiers? Where's the fighting? Where's the freedom? Where's the liberation? And, and, and they came to Jesus and said, What are you doing? Tell us about this kingdom you're talking about. And in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 21, we have just such a uh, time when Jesus is questioned about the kingdom. And so it says in Luke 17, verse 20, Now when he, that's Jesus, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom would come, that was their question, Jesus, you're preaching the kingdom. When will the kingdom come? Now, you've got to understand what they meant by that. When are you going to raise up an army and get rid of Rome? Because we are born to be free and we, we, the Messiah is going to set us free from Rome. Or when are you going to call angels to come down and break into this world so that we can be the kind of people that we want to be? This is what Messiah is supposed to do. You're supposed to liberate us. You're supposed to set us free. You're supposed to manifest the government of God. How can you be talking about the government of God when we are ruled by those pagan people called Romans and we are in bondage? So you're talking about the kingdom. When are you going to get your act together? When is the kingdom going to come? That's what they were meaning. And Jesus replies like this. It says, He answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. It doesn't come the way you're thinking. Verse 21, Nor will they say, See here. Here is the kingdom. Something observable that we can point to. Here is the kingdom. Or see, there is the kingdom. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, when they said the king, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you, you need to know that that phrase can mean it is within you, personally in your heart, or it can mean the kingdom of God is among you. Same phrase means the same thing. In some of your versions, you might actually, might actually translate the kingdom of God is among you. And that's the best way of understanding it at that point in time. Because Jesus is the king, and he was among them, therefore the kingdom was among them. Where the king is, there is the kingdom. Now for us, we can go a bit further. We can say the kingdom isn't just amongst us, but the kingdom is in us. Because Christ has taken up authority and control of our lives by the Holy Spirit. So for us today, we can say the kingdom of God is within our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And the King also is amongst us. He's amongst us today. He was presiding at the table of the Lord when we broke bread earlier. Jesus Christ was in the midst and he's still in the midst. And he's manifesting himself in the praise and in the worship, in the moving of the Holy Spirit and in the preaching of the word. Right now, as I'm declaring the kingdom, the kingdom is coming into your heart, into your life, and we are growing in the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus taught us to pray daily, our Father who art in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, it's a dynamic concept. It is invisible. It is internal. But it is real. God's rule has begun. And He is living and ruling over our lives through Christ and by the Holy Spirit. And we enter into the kingdom when we surrender our lives to the government of God, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When we say, let your will be done in me. I surrender to Christ. I surrender to His Lordship. I surrender my life. Then we enter the kingdom. And the more we enter into the kingdom, the deeper the submission is. Let, let me put it to you this way. Follow me here and the camera over here. And we're going to go for a walk into the kingdom. Are you ready? Are you ready to be? So this is what happens before you're saved. You're this way. And Jesus says, repent, which means turn around. The kingdom of God is here. And there is Christ. And we see him. And we surrender to his kingdom. And we have entered the kingdom. But the moment Jesus speaks to us and we surrender more of our lives, the kingdom comes more deeply into us and we go more deeply into the kingdom. And the more we surrender to him and let him rule and govern our lives as we submit to him, as we serve him, as we love him, as we follow him, as we, the more and more we go towards Christ, the more his kingdom comes in us. That's the kingdom of God. Amen and amen. Well, go ahead, praise him. And uh, we, we, we get this right throughout the whole of the New Testament, but it's the very first words of Jesus in his public ministry. If you go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, I love Mark's Gospel because he always cuts to the chase. I love the other Gospels, but Mark says, listen, I'm just going to give you the main story here. I'm going to go straight to the point. And 14 verses into chapter 1, he just says everything that I just said. 14 verses, Mark 1 verse 14, and here is Jesus in his public ministry. And notice it happened after John was put into prison. John the Baptist was uh, the person who was preparing the way for Messiah. And John's ministry is, 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 is done. He's accomplished his ministry. And he's been rewarded by being put into prison. No wonder John said, are you really the Messiah? Because you don't really look like a Messiah to me. I thought Messiah would be setting us free from prison. And I'm in prison. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Don't be, don't be offended because of my sake. Because the kingdom that I'm talking about is a kingdom that's worth the suffering. And God is going to bring that manifestation of liberty and victory and glory that you're believing for. You hang in there, John. It ain't over yet. So John is in prison. And it says, Mark 1 verse 14. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And what did he say? The time is fulfilled. Uh, he announced something. And it doesn't mean much to us today. The time is fulfilled because we can look back over 2,000 years of this fulfillment. But imagine what it meant to them. These people who had been waiting for Messiah and waiting for the kingdom to come 
for years, for generations, for hundreds, indeed thousands of years, ever since that first prophecy of Genesis 3.15 was spoken, that the Bible says that the seed of the woman would come and he would bruise the serp, crush the serpent's head and the serpent would bruise his heel. That was the first word of the proclamation of the coming Messiah and the coming kingdom of God. It was promised from the, from the very beginning. But then from Genesis 3, we have the whole story of how God calls Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and then the rising up of the people of God, the children of Israel and the period of the kingdom which was flourishing under King David and how David became the great picture of the Messiah that was to come and all of the prophetic teaching that was preparing the way, prophesying, announcing the King is coming, the King is coming, Messiah is coming. He's going to bring transformation. He's going to bring a spiritual revolution. He's going to bring restoration. And all of that preaching and teaching over all of those years, those centuries of prophetic input from God. And then finally, the, in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, Messiah was born and he came at the, exactly the right moment in history and proclaimed, the waiting is over. The kingdom has come. The time is now. What an amazing declaration that was. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Amazing. Now, just because he says the kingdom of God is at hand doesn't mean to say, you. It's nearly here. Soon and very soon is going to happen. No, no, no. When the phrase at hand means now. At hand. It's so close, you just reach out and grab it. The kingdom of God has come. And it's only a hand grasp away. Reach out. Everybody, just do this right now as a, as a kind of visual demonstration. Reach out and grab a handful of the kingdom of God. All right? No, come on. Grab it. Actually, we're doing it in the wrong direction. It's this. Reach up to heaven. Pull down a handful of heaven now. Pull down another handful of heaven. Come on. Keep on doing it. By faith, we're pulling down handfuls of heaven into our lives. You look amazing. This looks like a Pentecostal aerobics class. Handfuls of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's accessible. Reach out by faith and take it and receive it. Jesus says it's so accessible. The kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God is here. But then he says two words. Two words which show the response that we need to make to the good news of the kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom is here, but you have to respond. And this call of the kingdom is an urgent call, it's a, deci a decisive call, and it's a radical call. Repent, he says, and believe the gospel. That's how you access the kingdom. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, I know I'm shouting, and the word repent, kind of, you get a picture of some crazy guy either with a sandwich board or an ugly placard standing on the street corner saying, the end is near, we're all doomed, repent, you bunch of sinners. Not a very positive image in our mind. 
But repentance is the most positive thing in the kingdom of God. It's wonderful. If you knew what repentance was, you would embrace it and live it and never depart from it. Give another illustration. I always use this one. Suppose we are uh, visualizing this. Here am I. I'm not in the kingdom. And my life is so full, full of all the stuff, the things that I've chosen for me, the things that I want according to my natural understanding, according to my desires, living for me under the bondage of the kingdom of darkness. And here I am. My life is so taken up with that. And Jesus says, repent. I hear his voice. I turn around. He says, repent and believe. When you believe, you are embracing the kingdom of God. And it's impossible. I know, have, have, we, have we time to do an illustration here? Come on, guys. I want coats. I want everything. Get, run, run, run. Get coats. Everything. I want my life to be loaded now. You'll get your coats back. Everybody, help, help. Come up to the platform and just, just fill me. Fill my, fill my arms now with... That's a very much... Okay, that's very good. I think we'll keep that one. All right. And here. Quick, quick, quick. Come on, everybody. Action, action, action. Action, 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 action. More, more. Come on, guys. What are you doing sitting there? Even church board members should be doing this. Come on, come on, come on, everybody. Fill my life with old stuff. Well, I mean, some of this is new stuff, but I'm... Okay, fill my life. Fill my life. Okay, okay, that, that'll do. All right. So that's what it's like. Now, don't go away, Gabriel. You're going to have to be Jesus for a moment. I know it takes a lot of imagination, but he's Jesus. Okay, this is what life is like before Christ. And Jesus says, repent. And then he says, embrace the kingdom. Okay, receive the kingdom. Do you know what? <laughs> These coats should be a lot lighter after the offering has been taken. They're, they're too heavy. I think we need to take another offering. Okay. All right. Okay, so this, this is my life. Okay. And Jesus is there, and he says, believe the gospel. And what believing the gospel really means is embrace me. So come on. Come on. Say it loud. Believe the gospel. This is supposed to be Jesus talking. Believe the gospel. Oh, come on, Gabriel, you can do better. <laughs> Believe the gospel. Embrace my life. Can I, can I really embrace him? No. This is what repentance is. And now, I'm not going to pay for any dry cleaning bills. But this is what repentance is. Jesus! You are there! <laughs> Hey! <laughs> okay, guys, stewards, stewards, help me now. Okay, and uh, you, you can go around holding this out and distributing, but I want identity to make sure I'm giving you... <laughs> Nobody's going to walk out tonight with a coat they didn't own <laughs> at the beginning. Okay, all right, can you see? So that visual illustration shows that, yes, it's repentance has a negative aspect. Because you've got to let go of stuff. 
So, yeah, it's stuff that he says no, and you've got to say amen to his no, and you let go of it. Why? How do you think you can go on in the kingdom of God when your life is still so cluttered up with stuff the Bible calls sin, and it's blocking you to receive the good things of the kingdom? Now, that is stupid. Is that not stupid? But we all do it. We all do it. So repentance is a positive thing. Come on, guys. What's in your life that is blocking you from Christ? Get rid of it. Repent today. Let it all go. Let it all go. It's not worth it. You can't take it with you. It's going to be burnt up. It's going to be destroyed anyway. It is just plain stupid to invest in something that is going to fail. Invest in the kingdom, the victorious kingdom of God that is going to succeed because there's coming a day when all the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of God. It's not going to last. People of God, if only we knew how wonderful repentance is. We would say, God, whatever it is, speak to me. Show me, God, what is in my life that is blocking me from entering into the kingdom. Repent and believe. Turn away from sin and embrace Christ. And that's not just how you enter the kingdom. It's how you continue in the kingdom of God. Amen. All right. So now... We'll talk a little bit about the manifestation of the kingdom. The kingdom manifests in two stages. The now stage and the future stage. Now we know one day God's kingdom will be so manifested that the fullness of God's kingdom will be here and visible. Then it will be in a visible outward form. We will be able to see it and touch it. And the full expression of it will be very, very clear to our eyes. When the kingdoms of this world shall have become the kingdom of Christ and of God, at that time every eye shall see Him. Amen? Every knee shall bow to Him. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we will be walking by faith, but rather by sight, not by faith. That's the future kingdom. And at that stage, it'll be too late to switch horses. Too late to say, oh, now I know the kingdom is real. Uh, let's, let's see what we can do. Be too late because that kingdom will only be manifested after all the stuff that belongs to this world, all the stuff that belongs to the powers of darkness, all that wasted stuff, all that stuff that is of no value at all, will have already been burnt up and destroyed. It will be too late then to start an investment program in the kingdom of God. All we can have at that time is the way in which we've lived for God now. So the kingdom now is about faith. He reveals himself to those who believe. We walk by faith and not by sight. That's why it's difficult. Because if only it was visible, if only the spiritual invisible realm was so visible and we could see with our eyes the consequence 
of our actions. And if we could see with our eyes the visible glory of God, if we could see the full nature of the kingdom and how glorious and wonderful and successful it is, we would have no problem in abandoning anything. But he says, no, I want you to walk by faith. And so you've got to grow in your faith so that you actually believe that making a decision which looks stupid in this world's eyes, but actually is seriously positive in terms of the kingdom of God, you'll be prepared to look crazy, sound crazy, and be totally dismissed by the people around you. But you'll say, I know something you don't know. I wish you would know it. I'll tell you if you were ready to listen. But I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm working for the kingdom of God. I'm living for the kingdom of God. And very often, the values of the kingdom are totally different. They are often the total opposite of the values of the kingdoms of this world. I mean, in in this world, if you want to get on, you've got to exalt yourself. Isn't that right? You've got to exalt yourself in order to be exalted. In the kingdom, no, it says, humble yourself. And he will lift you up. I mean, in this world, if you need something and want something, you better hold on to it. But in the kingdom, if you need something and want something, give it away. Give it away. That's the total opposite. Amen? Whatever you sow, you reap. So if you are struggling financially and you're going to walk in the principles of the kingdom, what are you going to do? You're going to sow your finances into the kingdom of God. Amen? You're not going to store up earthly riches which are going to perish, but you're going to take your earthly riches such as they are and you're going to invest them in the kingdom of God where it's going to have an eternal effect. And very much part of that is that God will take full provision for you now. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. You put a hundred pounds in the offering, and you get a thousand-fold return by the time you leave the building. That is not what we're talking about. But Jesus put it this way. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't. You love the one or hate the other. You can't serve them both. Mammon is like a spirit, like a false god. And it's one of the false gods of our age. But when we come to Christ, we say, I'm in your kingdom. All that I have comes from you. Show me how I can steward what you've given to me for the glory of your kingdom. And he says this. This is how to live. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So that's the very opposite. If we put God first, some of you men have been thinking about you. Some of you men, you are nowhere in the kingdom of God. Nowhere. Because you got your priorities wrong. You think that you are serving your family And doing the right thing by giving all the hours that God sends and quite a few hours He doesn't send, committing yourself to your worldly activity and your pursuit of your career and business 
And you wonder why it's not working? Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness is not a complicated word. It means doing what God wants you to do. Doing the right thing. That's what right. You don't have to make it all theological. It's very simple. Righteousness is doing right. Doing what God has called you to do. Putting Christ first in your life. First in your home. First in your family. First in your workplace. Tear up that contract if it's full of compromise. Rip it up in the face of the devil and say, devil, go to hell because I'm in the kingdom of heaven. Amen and amen. Strong words, but I mean them not in a swear way, but in a real way. Men, you need to be shaken up. Because until you put God's kingdom first in your life, in your family, you are nowhere. You can be the biggest chief executive officer. Who cares? That's going down the tubes. And it's probably going to go bust even before Jesus returns. But God's investment bank never, never, never collapses. Whatever you do for God is not in vain. And we need some kingdom-orientated men who will say, I understand this principle. Uh, and I, I said that to the men because I think they needed to hear that uh, part as an application. But it's for all of us, for men and women, it's the same thing. Put Christ first in your life. Amen? That's living for the kingdom of God. There is a now and then there is a future. But now it is by faith. Faith brings you into the realm of the kingdom of God. Faith brings you under the influence of the dynamic rule and reign of God. Faith brings you into the supernatural dimension of the rule of God. And uh, we'll say more about this later on in the series. But you know what that means? It means you are no longer bound by those laws of nature and natural principles that would ensure that you will fail. But the principles of God's kingdom are the principles of success. You surrender your finances to the kingdom of God, your finances will start to be supernatural finances. When Amanda and I were first married, we were in the ministry, our monthly expenses were like this, and our income was like this. What's the difference between this and this? That's the difference. Not one month went by when there was too much month for the money. Not one month. How did it happen? I don't know. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. Some things happen. Something happens in the spiritual realm when the kingdom of God takes over and earthly concerns take on a new shape. Suddenly it's your heavenly father. Suddenly it's his laws, his principles, his provision. But unless your life is surrendered to the kingdom of God, those laws are worthless because they don't operate. Amen and amen. It's not just about money. It's also about health and, 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 and well-being and joy and ha uh, all the things that God has for us. There's joy in the kingdom. Amen. There's righteousness in the kingdom. 
There's peace in the kingdom. There's healing in the kingdom of God. The kingdom is the manifestation of God himself. Whatever God has, he'll bring it to you in the kingdom. So make sure that you make more room for the kingdom of God in your life. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen. Can I have a microphone, please? Can I have a microphone, please? Would you all stand to your feet right now? We have a, a few minutes left, and I deliberately wanted to leave some time for you today. Thank you so much. So that as we leave this place, we'll be ready to leave this place with more of the kingdom of God. Are you ready? Are you ready? Now, while you stand, every head bowed, every eye closed, all over the place, standing over the road, please, in uh, the coronet and standing up downstairs and all the overflow places. I cannot even begin to pray for believers in this meeting today until I've prayed for people who don't yet know Jesus. You saw that illustration of all that stuff that was in my life and how I had to repent to embrace Christ. That's a picture of some people here today. You've never turned your life over to Jesus. Some of you say, well, I believe, but you know, you, your, your life is still so full of, of your old, old way of life, your old stuff, you can't really say old things are passed away because you're hanging on to them for dear life. And some people need to make a decisive decision in your life to repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ today, I've got good news for you. He is here for you right now. And if you say, Jesus, I'm prepared to confess you as my Lord and Savior. I'm prepared to turn away from all my past life, everything, and just hand my life entirely over to you, Jesus. I'm prepared to do this. I'm prepared to believe in you. A miracle is going to take place to you, in you. You're going to be born again by the kingdom of God. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. You're going to be born again by the power of the kingdom of God. You're going to see the kingdom. You're going to enter the kingdom. And your life is going to be completely turned around. And you're going to begin an adventure of discipleship and conformity to Christ, which is going to be one victory after another. And if that's you today and you say, please, will you pray for me? Because I need Jesus today. I need Jesus in my life. And I, if this is really real on the inside and you know you need Jesus, I want you with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to lift your hand right where you are standing and hold it up high and I will acknowledge it and I will pray for you. And after the service, somebody's going to come and give you a free gift to take you further in the things of God. So wherever you are, in the main auditorium, over the road, in the coronet, behind me, wherever you are, if you're watching online and this applies to you, you can email straight away. So right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, I need Christ in my life today, lift your hand right where you're sitting or standing and lift it up so I can see it. And then I'm going to pray for you. First of all, lift your hand high. Thank you. God bless you. Quickly, everybody. This is a decisive call. Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel because the kingdom is here. You can't put this off. This is a crisis moment, a crisis decision, and it's an urgent call. If you need Christ in your life, lift your hand high. And, uh, and by that, you're saying, I need Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you.
people are lifting their hands right now all over this place, including Coronet and everybody else, whether I've actually personally seen your hand in this building or not, God has seen it. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice today who has responded to this message by saying, I need Christ in my life. I need to be saved. I want to enter into the kingdom of God. I don't want to perish in the fire like, like all the other unbelievers. No, I am going to embrace Christ. I'm going to live today. I'm going to embrace life today. I'm going to follow Christ to make him my Lord and my Savior today. And this is going to be the first day of the rest of my life, an adventure in the kingdom of God. If that is what they're saying, God, today in their heart, I pray, make it real to them. Manifest your kingdom to them. Let them know that Christ is alive and the Holy Spirit is real and that the the salvation that God has is a salvation that will work and last for eternity. Amen and amen. Now the rest of us, oh, I want you all just to lift your hands. If you lift your hands, all you're saying is, I want to be included in this prayer. And this prayer is a general prayer for us all, that we would open our hearts to the kingdom of God. I really sense in my spirit, God is doing big business with many people today. I think some of you are just so shocked to see that illustration and think, do you know what? I'm holding on to stuff which I shouldn't be holding on to. And I now see it is hindering my progress. It's actually working against me. I thought I was so clever to hold on to this stuff and try to walk with Jesus. But I now realize this is nothing but sin, weight, junk. It's not going to go anywhere. It's going to hinder me. It's going to rob me of my investment in the kingdom of God. And I want to throw that stuff away. I want to embrace Christ fully. And, and many of us are saying, God, I want more of you today. I want more of your kingdom in my life today. I want more of your authority in my life. I want more clarity in my life. I want to understand these kingdom principles so that when I put Christ first, I want to be able to hear him so he will show me how to live, what to do, the issues that are in my life. And it's not easy. He doesn't make it easy for us, but I'll tell you, he is powerful and sufficient in every situation. So lift your hands, everybody. And I want you all to begin to pray all out loud, all out loud. And I'll have the microphone. I can pray over your voices, but I I want you to compete with me today because if you really want Christ more in your life, you're going to be asking Him. You're going to be crying, God, give me your grace. I need more grace, Lord. I need to serve you. I'm not serving you in the way that I should. I've got confused. I've taken my eye off the ball. I, I, I now need to refocus on the priorities of life in the kingdom of God. I want more of your power. I want more of your reality. I want the manifestation of the kingdom in my life. God, my finances are sick. My body is sick. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Give me your kingdom. I need more of your authority. Help me, God. There's confusion in my mind. Help me, Lord. Give me your grace. I need more grace. If that's you, keep on crying out to God. We're nearly done here, but let's push through. Let's push through. Come on, people of God. We're in the presence of the King of Kings. Ask of Him right now. Ask Him, God, give me more of your kingdom. Come on, people of God. Where is the fervor? Where is the passion? We are a revival people. We are an anointed people of God. We are a radical people. Come on, people of God. If you're hungry for God, call out to Him. Come on, people. Raise your voice. 
Raise your voice. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Keep on going. I, I sense some of you are just not desperate enough. Throw aside all that fleshly complacency, all that woolly thinking. The kingdom is here. Repent and believe. Make a step forward into the kingdom of God. Let the kingdom come. Amen, amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up our voice in your presence and we say, Father in heaven, the God who manifests his glory in heaven, the God whose throne is established in heaven and whose kingdom and authority is over all things. We surrender to you, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we say, Our Father in heaven, may your holy name be honored. Hallowed be your name. And let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Manifest your kingdom in my life. Manifest your will in my life. You know, there's potential for here. There's potential for financial miracles. Yes, there are. When the kingdom of God is released, all natural laws of economics just go out the window and God's kingdom power and manifestation of financial miracles, they happen in the kingdom of God. Physical healings and miracles happen in the kingdom of God. God's authority is here. Sicknesses, diseases, depression, whatever is attacking you. Let me tell you in the name of Jesus Christ, there is healing in the kingdom of God. Receive His kingdom today. Receive His financial provision. Receive His deliverance in Jesus' name. And there is joy, joy in the kingdom. Amen. He takes away. The spirit of mourning and sighing. And he gives us a garment of praise in place of a spirit of heaviness. I tell you, there is joy in the kingdom. Freedom, joy, power, authority, revelation. Let's become men and women of the kingdom. And as this series progresses and unfolds, let's go deeper and deeper. Everybody say deeper. deeper. Say it like Nigerians say it. Deeper. <laughs> let's say it like English people say it. Oh, deeper. <laughs> However we say it, God's kingdom is here. Amen, amen. Give Jesus a mighty praise. God bless you. God bless you. Amen and amen.